right now that we're going to switch gears and talk about the latest on the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine and all the things happening around that. We haven't updated the situation in a while, so I'm looking forward to this discussion with Marcus Kolga, a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute. Marcus, uh, thanks for taking some time with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on, Shay. Yeah, I'd like to start with, uh, well, I don't, unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of atrocities, like videos of uh, of castration of prisoners, shelling of yeah. uh, a prisoner of war. I mean, what's going on? Are you seeing these same things? Uh, how alarming is this to you? Yeah, uh, well, the, the crimes committed by uh, Russian troops in Ukraine, they're just, they're piling up. I mean, we're, we're now into the, into the sixth month of, uh, of this war. Vladimir Putin, of course, uh, six months ago claimed that it would be a three-day operation to, quote-unquote, denazify Ukraine from its uh, Jewish-led uh, pre- or its, uh, president, who is, of course, of Jewish heritage. Yeah. Um, things have not been going well. And so, uh, you know, he's made, uh, Putin's made very limited advances in the Far East, in the South of Ukraine. And he's, uh, what he's been doing is engaging in a war of terror against the Ukrainian people in the East and in the South. He's trying to depopulate those, those areas. Um, he's been bombing uh, and uh, shelling villages and cities, completely obliterating them, turning them into rubble. And you mentioned these atrocities that are happening. There's a report, uh, unverified as it is this morning, out of a town, Olenvika, which is uh, between the captured city of Mariupol and, and Donetsk, uh, where there were about 200 Ukrainian prisoners of war being held. Mm-hmm. Um, the reports claim that uh, the Russian troops uh, piled them into an apartment uh, block in that city and then proceeded to shell that apartment block into complete rubble. There are reports that there are at least 40 people who have died in this massacre. 130 others are, are injured. Um, these are the sorts of uh, tactics that Russia is engaging in because Vladimir Putin knows that he's losing this war. So the hope is to terrorize the Ukrainian people into submission uh, over the long term. Uh, so, uh, again, it's, it's really uh, you know, uh, disturbing some of the images that we're seeing and the, yeah. the crimes that we're seeing committed by the, by the Russian troops right now. Yeah, and I saw a report from a Russian soldier who was captured and testified uh, publicly that he was told by his commanding officers to shoot civilians. So, so, like you say, the stories are getting worse. I'm wondering what impact does that have on the international community, on the UN, on the West, on the, U- on the UK and US and Canada? Does that change our stance? Does it escalate our response in any way? Well, I, I should hope that it would. You know, uh, I, I think that most experts would agree that um, the only way out of this, the only way to really stop Vladimir Putin is by arming the Ukrainians and making sure that they can, uh, they can push back uh, Putin's forces uh, in the east and, and in the south. And, and we're seeing some of that in Kherson. This is a, a, a city that is close that, uh, between the border of, of Crimea and, and Ukraine and the south of, of Ukraine. That was, this city was captured early on by, by the Russians. And, um, and Ukraine has actually gone on the counteroffensive over the past week or so in that city. They seem to be uh, set to take that city back. And all of that is thanks to the delivery of Western arms to those, uh, those Ukrainian forces that are engaging in that counteroffensive. These high Mars, these are high, um, high mobility uh, rocket systems that the U.S. has sent. They've sent about six or seven of these units to Ukraine. Um, they're having a devastating effect mm-hmm. on uh, on Russian forces. Uh, the Ukrainians are strategically targeting Russian ammunition depots, uh, destroying them, and starving uh, Russian forces of the ability to uh, 
to fight the Ukrainians, and, and it seems to be working. So the key here is that we need to do a better job of sending more lethal defensive weapons to Ukraine so that they have the resources they need to push back. If we don't do that, the real risk here is the status quo remaining. Um, Vladimir Putin would like to see a drawn-out conflict at this point to wear down Western resolve, uh, to wear, wear down uh, Western unity within the uh, NATO alliance. Um, and so if we don't act now, immediately, especially before the winter, um, you know, we, we, we risk uh, allowing Vladimir Putin to make greater advances over the winter and perhaps uh, next spring. Like you say, uh, Putin thought this would be a, a long weekend sort of an adventure and it would be over yeah. and it would be done. And now we're into the sixth month. And, and it seems like it's really grinding into I don't I don't want to say stalemate because there's a lot going on. But are, is anybody making an advancement one way or the other? Are they or is, are we just sort of just pushing and, and pull and not really getting anywhere? Well, you know, this is, you know, it, it does look like we're, we're at, right now we're at a stalemate. Okay. Um, you know, you, I don't think that the, you know, Russian forces certainly are not threatening to make any major advances at this point. Um, you know, our, the sanctions that we've placed on Russia are having a major effect. Um, Vladimir Putin hasn't been able to repair any of the equipment, the tanks, the missiles, uh, the system, weapon systems that he has uh, that have been damaged during this war because he just cannot get the parts thanks to the sanctions that we placed on him. So he's pulling out, uh, there are reports that he's pulling out tanks, Cold War era tanks. Mm. There are even images of World War II tanks that are being pulled out of uh, warehouses and put on the front. So he just doesn't have the resources anymore to continue this, this battle, which, again, uh, you know, for the point I was making earlier, now is the moment to make sure that the Ukrainian army has the, uh, the, the, the equipment that's needed uh, to push them back, because there is an opportunity, there's a window of opportunity between now and the winter for the Ukrainians to push back, because, uh, because the, you know, again, uh, Putin's equipment, it's, it's just not there. He doesn't have those resources. Um, the uh, the decision-making structure, the leadership structure is failing on the Russian side. So now is the time to push back. Um, and if we don't arm the Ukrainians uh, at this point, it could the stalemate could continue through the fall and the winter. And as I said earlier, um, this is exactly what Vladimir Putin wants. He wants it, this to be drawn out uh, and 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 for the Ukrainians to be unable to push back his forces, uh, push back his troops uh, back beyond the uh, February twenty fourth border. Okay, two things. Uh, first of all, the sanctions. And I know there's been so much discussion, as you know, turbines, gas, all these sorts of things with how effective and how steadfast the West has been around them. Uh, you're saying yeah. they are being effective. Are, are there some cracks in that and some concerns that they could be more effective, but due to necessity, we're sort of letting some leaks develop? Well, look, the, the, as, as far as uh, technology exports go, they're, they're effective. The, the financial sanctions that we've placed on Russia, they are effective. They are having a, a drawn-out, grinding effect. We need to sustain them. More importantly, we need to enforce them in order right. for them to have the proper effect. But you bring up the turbine question. The, you know, Canada returned this one gas turbine uh, to uh, to Germany, and which is going to be delivered to to Russia. Um, you know, the fact that we've compromised our our own sanctions policy by doing that is not a it's it's not a good thing. Um, I think that our allies are, are looking at that. I think it raised an eyebrows everywhere. Um, ultimately, uh, Canada and Germany fell victim to Russian energy blackmail. This is, uh, you know, a tactic that Vladimir Putin has engaged in for a number of years, whether it's Ukraine or other other uh, neighboring countries like Georgia. Um, and we were duped. Um, you know, Vladimir Putin is going to use energy. He's going to close off the taps to Europe. 
in order to extract concession. He used that turbine and Canadian sanctions as an excuse. That was all it was. This turbine made no difference uh, with regards to the flow of gas from Russia to Germany. Vladimir Putin was controlling that. It wasn't this turbine. So I I think that Canada needs to ensure that uh, we remain resolute and strong with regards to our sanctions. We need to make sure that we continue uh, enforcing them and working with our allies uh, to to increase the the amount of sanctions on Russia because they are having an effect. Uh, But compromising on sanctions will only enable Vladimir Putin to uh, continue engaging in this sort of uh, in his in his invasion down the road. And you touched on it there, but you're 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 expecting that uh, the taps will be closed. I mean, that is an ultimate hammer. Once the weather turns in that part of the world, and Russia is sort of sitting on all of the gas that supplies Europe, um, they can be absolutely devastating in their actions, just not supplying that energy. And you're anticipating that will be uh, the course of action they take. There's no doubt. Uh, like I said, Vladimir Putin's, uh, you know, his. Uh, his uh, his uh, successes on the battlefield have been limited. Uh, he he needs a win somewhere. The only way that he can actually make any sort of advances is using these other means. And energy is is uh, a very powerful weapon for Vladimir Putin. It's uh, you know he will no doubt he's already turned off the taps. He will do so again, uh, if especially during the winter. He can use that to his advantage. It's just like he's used a. Uh, um, food and grain as a weapon mm-hmm. against uh, against the world to try and extract uh, concessions uh, from from the Western countries, threatening to starve places like Africa and such. Um, he will use those as weapons, and we need to be prepared to uh, either provide some sort of an alternative means to uh, to defend uh, Europe. You know, whether it's increasing our exports of gas uh, through the U.S. to to Europe or other means. But we need to anticipate that that Vladimir Putin will indeed use those sorts of uh, tactics to uh, to uh, to break our to break Ukraine's back and to uh, extract concessions from from us. Yeah, we we have a guest coming in on uh, the uh, grain deal a little bit later yeah. in the show. Uh, is I know that they're talking about hey, it's all good, and the president is there, and the U.S. ambassador is there. But I've heard a lot of the shipping companies are really concerned that it's still not safe. Is this deal going to hold together? Are we going to get grain out of that port? Do you think? I don't know. Uh, you know, any deal with uh, with Vladimir Putin is isn't worth much more than the paper that it's written on. You know, uh, he doesn't. Uh, yeah, exactly. He, I mean, he's been breaking uh, Russian deals. He makes deals and he breaks them. So you just can't trust the Russians, uh, Vladimir Putin, on anything that uh, that he says. So, you know, I think that we should be prepared to, you know, if we want to get that grain to market, we need to send ships. We need to send um, anti-ship missiles to the Ukrainians to deter any sort of attacks from the Russians. But taking the Russians on their word and Vladimir Putin on his word, it's just, um, you know, it's it's bad strategy and, and it always turns out quite badly. Marcus, thank you so much for your insight. As always, appreciate you joining us.